back to the David Glenn Show. John Mooney of Notre Dame is going to drop by. First team All-ACC candidate in about 30 minutes. Bobby Kremens is joining us right now, formerly of Appalachian State right here in our backyard. I think it was last summer he was the keynote speaker at a cool event up in Boone. Georgia Tech, of course, three-time ACC Coach of the Year, three-time ACC Tournament Champion with the Yellow Jackets. College of Charleston, he's also been a broadcaster, still does games on the Fox Sports regional broadcasts. Coach Kremens, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm doing fine. I had knee surgery, so I... I've been out of action this last month, were but you, I've been watching a lot of basketball. Yeah, we're, we're used to seeing you all over the place. What did, how did that trip to Boone go last year? Uh, I've seen you speak. You can be a lot of fun as a speaker. What was your message at the Legends Gala at uh, App State, uh, a program you helped put on the map years ago? Yeah, I go to that event every year, and last year I was a speaker. And um, I just I spoke about my, my time in Boone, my six years in Boone. Um, you know, going from Columbia, South Carolina, as assistant coach for Fran McGuire. And um, I had no idea that it was weather like that in, in the South. <laughs> uh, it was like the North Pole. It was like the North Pole of, the, of, of, of North Carolina. I talked about, you know, the funny stories about the weather. My son was born at Bataga Hospital there and brought in a lot of New York players who did very well. And um, it was a great experience, quite uh, quite experience going to Boone. That is, of course, New York native Bobby Kremens joining us on the David Glenn Show. You can always tell that accent has not left him all these years later. Coach, can you remind us, since it's been a while, uh, Greensboro and Charlotte were really a rotation for the ACC tournament. And the people in our statewide audience here in North Carolina, of course, are excited that it was in Charlotte last year and Greensboro this year after those seasons in uh, New York and D.C., et cetera. Was it, was it out-of-state schools – you know, like a Gary Williams at Maryland or you were at Georgia Tech or others, that just got tired of this event always being in North Carolina for a long time? Is that why we ended up with the rotation? Yeah, I would say so. You know, um, you know, I played in the ACC, so I was used to, you know, playing in Charlotte. Um, and um, it really didn't bother me a whole lot. Now, the first time we won the ACC championship was in Atlanta. Right. So... Um, but, yeah, I just thought, you know, we all thought just to be fair, to be respectful to the other people, you know, you had to move it around a little bit. Uh, it just made more sense. And then once they expanded, especially the 15 teams, you, you got to do that. You just have to. And, and you know, New York and Washington, I, I've been to both of them. You know, uh, great downtown arenas where you can uh, public transportation, like Charlotte. Charlotte's a great spot. Yeah. And then you got to keep the traditional on Greensboro. You just have to, because Greens Greensboro represents the old days. It represents, um, you know, it's such a major part of the ACC tournament. Um, I, I like moving around. I like included Greensboro. Again, Charlotte is a fantastic spot, like Washington and New York. Bobby Kremens is joining us in 85. It was Mark Price, the tournament MVP, when the Yellow Jackets of Bobby Kremens won it. In 90, it was Brian Oliver. In 93, it was James Forrest uh, giving Coach Kremens that third ACC tournament 
championship. A lot of the schools this year, Coach, it's going to be a 14-team event, as you know, because Georgia Tech uh, has decided to accept that postseason ban. Uh, the majority of those 14 teams need to win the event to make the NCAA tournament because that's the only way they're getting in with the automatic bid. Uh, we got the question, what was the lowest seed ever to win the ACC tournament? And you are part of that answer. Uh, in 1993, you guys were the sixth seed Nobody's ever won it as a lower than six seed. If you hear yeah. Carolina fans or anybody else in the lower yeah. half of the bracket dream of making a miraculous run, um, what, what is your input or advice on that? And what do you remember about winning it as a six seed back in 1993? Although I don't think you guys were really a Cinderella back then. No, I don't think we were either. We had, we had a good team. We had some injury problems. And then, um, and then we put it together at the right time. Um, you know, we, we beat North Carolina in the finals. I, I forget who we beat um, in, the, in the first and second round. Um, but but um, we, we started to play well, particularly James Farsh. And uh, what I remember was um, it was a great game. The North Carolina game was a great game. They led most of the game until the very end. <clears throat> and then uh, we went ahead. But. You know, this year is going. It's it's wild. I mean, you know, people are saying the ACC is down. I think the whole country is down, but the ACC is still exciting. And this this ACC tournament this year, you know, the top teams are not playing great now. Florida State came back and had a great win last night. Yeah. Uh, I thought they were dead in the water, and of course Louisville is is has been inconsistent, and of course Duke Duke lost a couple, then of course they came back strong and won their last game at home. So, you know, to me, there's, there's just no team that you could flat out say is, is definitely going to win. And North Carolina is playing well. It'd be quite a story to see North Carolina <laughs> do it. That um, is, but yeah. right now, I think Florida State is probably the best team in the league, and, and Duke is right there behind them. And Louisville, depending on how, you know, their star player plays, uh, could, could be knocking at that door also. So I think it's going to be a great tournament. Uh, I feel bad George Tech's not going to be there. I'm not going. Um, I'd love to, to watch it, and I'll be watching every game. But I think it's going to be very, very exciting. And some teams are still alive. You know, Clemson had a tough loss at Virginia Tech last night. Um, Notre Dame had a big, uh, almost had a big win, almost got him back in there. Yeah. And I thought, uh, you know, so right now, you know, everybody's saying there's really four teams are going to go. I hope that's not the case. I hope a fifth team sneaks in there. And one of the best ways to sneak in there is by winning the tournament. Coach, you were a four-time Southern Conference Coach of the Year with the Mountaineers. You were a three-time ACC Coach of the Year. What kind of things do you look for? Um, if you had a ballot, you know, right now, Leonard Hamilton of Florida State is considered one of the candidates. Tony Bennett of UVA, given the strong finish by the Cavaliers, yeah. he's won four of the last six ACC Coach of the Year awards, which is crazy. Um, what do you look for when it comes to uh, whether it's just kind of a mythical ballot or an actual ballot that you would cast for Coach of the Year? What I look for is a, is a program that, you know, was really, um, you know, was really down and out. Uh, a program that was not expected, pick you know, like you know, down at the bottom, and that that team to be up in the upper tier. That's my first choice because you know the, the great teams, the great coaches, they're going to get there. They've already had so many accolades. 
and they're going to get national accolades. Some of them are going to get national coach of the year. Yeah. So therefore, I'd like to see a coach who um, who comes in and, and you know exceeds expectations. And early on, Mike Young was my candidate yep. for ACC Coach of the Year. I coached against him when I was college at Charleston. He's a great coach. Um, you know, then Brad Brunell. You know, he, you know, he he was on the the list. Uh, of course, the, you know, Leonard Hamilton has to be on the list. Tony Bennett. You know, right now, I probably lean towards Leonard Hamilton. But what I look for first, and because you know, Leonard Leonard Leonard's now you know starting to get some accolades he didn't get in the past. Yeah. And, um, and you know, his accolades now are richly deserved. But the first thing I look for is for a program who is really, you know, not supposed to do so well. And, you know, Josh Pashner. Josh Pashner would be on that list. But the fact that they're ineligible yeah. um, this year, you just, you just can't let – you got to eliminate that. you got to eliminate Georgia Tech. But Josh Pashner, um, you know, they're playing great basketball. What is your advice to Georgia Tech basketball fans right now, Coach? Because they're frustrated that they have not yet made the tournament in four years under Josh Pastner. Uh, they've might maybe seen some of the same signs of progress that you have seen. Uh, you were in that chair for a long time, and you are loved by a lot of that fan base. What's your input uh, to them right now about Josh Pastner or just the future of the program? Yeah, we, we're all disappointed by the violations. And... Um... It was, you know, then when the penalty came out, that was a tough one. You know, postseason ban is a tough one. And then they went to appeal it. But I think uh, Todd Stansberry uh, and Georgia Tech, Josh and the president, I think they made the right decision. They were playing with fire. Yeah. And, you know, you hate to see a kid like James Banks who's having a great year. Right now, the only way they get to the NCAA tournament is by winning the ACC tournament. And to risk all that and then suffer the penalty the following year, lose the appeal. So, I, number one, I think, you know, we're disappointed in the penalty, but they definitely did the right thing by um, pulling out. It's, it's a little bit embarrassing for Georgia Tech people not to be in the tournament. But the positive side is that they, they had an excellent year. They're playing great basketball, and they have everybody back except James Banks. Um, you know, Alvarado and DeVoe in the backcourt have become stars. Yeah. Uh, the young man, Moses Wright from Raleigh, North Carolina, is becoming a star. Um, they, they got some pieces. And if they could add a few more pieces in recruiting, next year uh, could be a key, key year for Georgia Tech basketball. Bobby Kremens joining us on the David Glenn Show. Through those coaches' eyes, what makes an ACC Player of the Year for you? Because some point to like a Trey Jones at Duke and say, that's my guy. Others point to Vernon Carey Jr. at Duke and say, that's my guy. And, you know, at different <laughs> times this year, we've got John Mooney of Notre Dame on our show. He's like a double-double machine. you got Jordan Wara of Louisville for a while. Uh, Jim Beheim loves Elijah Hughes up at Syracuse. Uh, the list yep. goes on and on. What, what makes the ACC Player of the Year for you? And do you have a, a clear-cut guy this year? Yeah, in my view, when I look for ACC player of the year, I do look for a team who's uh, who won the championship. I, I go there first. Now, if there's a kid uh, who's in you know the middle of the pack or even more of the middle of the pack doing just extraordinary things, extraordinary, you know, then then you know I would definitely consider that that young man. But my first choice is to go with a championship team. 
And so if you go with that, you know, you, you get, you've got Florida State, and you've got a number of candidates there. Forrest, what, what, he, uh, you know, what he's done, what he did last night. Yep. Devin Vassell. Uh, you mentioned Trey Jones. Uh, obviously, I think he's going to win it. Uh, I, I think he's been sensational. Um, you know, he came back, and he he's right there. So that's the, that's where I go first. You know, Nora from Louisville was a candidate, but no. Um, I don't think he will be uh, ACC Player of the Year. So I, I would go with a kid from Florida State or from Duke. You mentioned Mooney. You know, he, he's a four-year, you know, you love four-year seniors. You, you love kids who have stayed four years and sacrificed, and you got to look at those kids. But right now, I'd probably go with Trey Jones. Last thing for you, Coach. When you look at that top four, those those number one through four seeds in Greensboro next week, Duke and Louisville and Florida State and Virginia, which do you believe just has the highest ceiling, you know, the best chance to get to a final four uh, or even make a run at a national championship, and, and why? Well, a week ago was Florida State. Um, definitely Florida State. Um, they've just been so consistent. They're so tough. They, they have the numbers. They play by the numbers. Uh, they look like a different team. They got they got they got size. They they just got so many pieces. Yeah. People coming off the bench. Uh, Vassell comes off, and they're electric when they come off the bench. So you know, about a week ago, I, it was it was um, it was Florida State. A couple of weeks ago, it was Duke. Um, Duke was playing at a high level. Uh, caught some, you know, I love the freshman, um, Carey. Um, he's a monster, and if, if they can make some shots, um, you know Louisville's got to play better. Oh, uh, um, you know, they they just got to, um, you know, they they can't be lax. They they got they got to come in and right from the get go. And then Virginia is a very very dangerous team. The big guy um, Hoff is playing great basketball. Uh, the little guy Clark, you know, he's been amazing, but. Uh, I've got to go right now. I go with Duke and Florida State as the two teams that I think have the highest ceiling. His name is Bobby Kremens. Coach, good luck with the rest of your rehab. We're sorry we will miss you in Greensboro, but as always, thank you for the visit here on the David Glenn Show. Uh, my pleasure. I love the ACC. You got it. John Mooney of Notre Dame live in 15 minutes. Your phone call's on the other side. Here are among the questions that hit my inbox on March Madness beyond the NFL, NHL, and NBA headlines that we'll get to today. DG, has anyone ever gone from a losing record in ACC play and then won the ACC tournament? The answer is actually yes. Now, as most of you would guess, over 66 years, it has not happened very often. But has it happened over 66 years? Answer, yes. It is not at all a long list. But I will hit you with that answer on the other side. I thought another good question, DG. If I remember correctly, an ACC player won the National Player of the Year Award a year ago. Is there any chance that could happen again this year? Easy to remember, it was Zion Williamson of Duke one year ago at this time that was on his way to National Player of the Year honors. I will let you know whether the ACC's best, Coach Kremens just said it's Trey Jones of Duke, I'm hearing the most votes for Vernon Carey Jr., the freshman big man at Duke, but others are voting in other directions as well. I'll let you know if the ACC has any shot at back-to-back -back national players of the year. The last one prior to Zion, anybody remember? It was a long time 
before Zion, the last time an ACC guy won National Player of the Year? We'll see if my staff, I know the answer, so uh, we'll see if my staff can dig up that answer off the top of their head during the commercial break. Who's your ACC Player of the Year or Coach of the Year? Leonard Hamilton of FSU, Tony Bennett of UVA, I believe are the top candidates for coach. We just mentioned the players. And here's one, this person identified himself as a Carolina fan, TG, does the NIT require a winning record for an at-large bid? I also know the answer to that question. So I will answer as many of those March Madness questions by email as I can. But phone calls are our priority. John Mooney of Notre Dame later this hour. Your phone calls on the NFL. The Panthers have made a trade. Big day for the collective bargaining agreement. And the United States Supreme Court is expected to announce soon whether it will take a case that alleges... DirecTV's NFL Sunday ticket package is an illegal monopoly of sorts that is forcing people like you to pay too much to get it. Will the Supreme Court take that case? We will find out soon. More on the Canes in the NHL, a big night in the NBA, Aggies versus Eagles on the hard court with the MEAC championship at stake tonight in Durham, 1-800-849-2761. That's the regular season championship, of course. Those calls, those emails, with your help at 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show throwback justice league you know batman wonder woman superman aquaman if there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life aquaman is your guy zay jones is dominating the three cone drill aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill this is the david glenn show Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. One of the best players in the ACC, John Mooney, joins us in less than 10 minutes. One of the best coaches ever in the ACC. I think he's number six on the all-time wins list. Bobby Kremens has already dropped by. You can be next with your question or comment. You might know the answer to this one, Darren. Could the National Player of the Year come from the ACC again this year? the year after Zion Williamson of Duke won it. Prior to that, did you remember? It was more than a decade ago, prior to Zion last year, that an ACC guy had gotten it. And you can't claim youth if you don't know this time. It was 2008, the year before this same guy led the North Carolina Tar Heels to a national championship for Roy Williams. That would be the big fella. Tyler Hansbrough. Our guest, yeah. Tyler Hansbrough. So Hansbrough in 08 represented the ACC in style. Zion in 2019, just last year, the rare freshman that also won the National Player of the Year Award. Uh, the, the answer is no. The ACC is not going to produce this year's National Player of the Year Award. Doesn't mean I don't love Trey Jones and Vernon Carey and Jordan Wara and our guest John Mooney and others, Elijah Hughes of Syracuse, the former ECU player. It's, there's about six or seven guys worthy of consideration for first-team All-ACC, so that's going to be interesting. But Dayton has a big guy named Obi Toppin. Uh, Iowa has a big guy named Luke Garza. Kansas has a guard. He's actually from Charlotte, North Carolina, named Devon Dotson. Um, I might be missing one or two others, but those are, I believe, the three favorites for the National Player of the Year award. A lot of great talent, but it is a, it is a by ACC standards down year in a lot of different ways. And one way is you, you averaged eight NCAA bids, and this year you're only going to get four or five with the possibility of five being, of course, the Wolfpack bubble watch that will continue into Greensboro next week. The other question I got, has anyone ever had a losing season in ACC play but then gone on to win 
the ACC tournament? The answer is actually yes, but as you might guess, it is really, really rare. A long time ago, there was an ACC champion that went four and eight in conference play. Nowadays, they play 20 conference games. Way back then, they said they played 12. Terry Holland was the coach at UVA. The Cavaliers were a six seed in 1976. A guy named Wally Walker helped the Cavs to what was at the time their first and only ACC tournament championship. So, yes, they had a, an ugly losing record. Four wins and eight losses in conference play that year at UVA for Terry Holland, and they did win that ACC tournament. So if you're a Carolina fan or somebody else from the bottom tier of the standings, in that sense, it has been done before. That was a six-seed UVA. It was a much smaller league back then. There are two other examples in the history of the league where someone had a losing record during the regular season in conference play and did go on to win the ACC tournament. Anyway, the other examples were 1987 NC State. Jim Valvano's squad was 6-8 and eight in ACC play. Losing record, but went on to win the ACC tournament. And then most recently, so you had UVA 1976, you had NC State 1987, legendary coaches Terry Holland and Jim Valvano. One more legendary coach, it was Gary Williams' Maryland squad in 2004. They went 7-9 and nine in ACC play, losing record, and they did win the ACC tournament. So in 66 ACC tournaments, there are three and only three examples of a team that went from a losing record in conference play during the regular season to the ACC title. So you're saying there's a chance for everybody in the bottom part of that bracket next week in Greensboro. And finally, does the NIT require a winning record for an at-large bid? Wonder who's asking that question. Answer, no. And it's one of those no but dot, dot, dot. As we go to John Mooney of Notre Dame on the other side, just last year, the NIT invited a team that had a 500 record. It was like 16 and 16 or 17 and 17. I forget the number, but just as many wins as losses. And they did get an at-large bid, and it has happened before. So there is no rule preventing the NIT from inviting somebody from a losing record with a losing record. However, have they ever invited somebody with a losing record? No. So I don't know if that's good news or bad news. The rules don't prevent it. But it has never, ever, ever happened. So, uh, And the NIT nowadays, remember, does invite every regular season champion that does not make the NCAA tournament. So they have their own kind of auto qualifiers nowadays in the NIT. Yes, it's allowed. No, it's never happened. John Mooney, one of the best players in the ACC, next on the David Glenn Show. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Everybody has heard the phrase luck of the Irish, right? As we welcome in one of the best players in the Atlantic Coast Conference, just one statistic, there's something called the player efficiency rating. Number one, according to that metric, in the whole ACC, Vernon Carey Jr. of Duke. Number two on that same metric, John Mooney, the senior forward for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I happen to be part Irish. I'm familiar with the phrase, luck of the Irish. True story, John Mooney, 
high school senior in the state of Florida, very good high school player, was going to play at Florida for Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan ends up jumping to the NBA. John Mooney reopens his recruitment. Like Mike Bray got a phone call, received a phone call, telling him about Mike, telling him about John Mooney, and that's how he got that recruit. John Mooney, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Are you the luckiest recruit? Luck of the Irish style in the history of Mike Bray's coaching career because that sounds like a really easy recruiting when they're calling you. Yeah, no, it, it was. It was, it was a, uh, definitely committed when I was a sophomore in high school to, to Coach Donovan. Um, and obviously, he, he went to the pros and opened up the recruitment, and, and Coach Bray called, and it was, it was a no-brainer. Irish Catholic kid and, <laughs> uh, you know, going to Notre Dame – it's been the best experience of my life. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, and, and Coach Bray has, has been the best. He's, he's the best coach, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything else. So it, it worked out well. We like to use the phrase as members of the media who got to know Coach Bray a long time ago when he was under uh, coaching under Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. Like, coach that we'd most like to have beers with. Now, I don't know how that works with players. I don't know if that's allowed or even John's got to be 21 or older by now. Uh, but can you tell us more about that personality? Because we've known him for decades, but of course, most of us have never played for him. That's right. No, he's, he's quote unquote, the loosest coach in America. And that's, that's exactly it. He's, he's a player's coach. Uh, you know, he gets on you when, when he needs to, but uh, the thing about coach he really lets us play. Uh, he doesn't, Overcoach us. He, he lets us kind of flow and, and figure things out. Um, and, and and with that, you know, you learn you learn on your own, and you learn from him and his staff. Um, and he's been the best. And you know, he's, he's loose um, and off the court. You know, he's, he's a good guy just to, just to talk to about about anything, even if it's not hoops related. And um, you know, he, he's the best. And I, I wouldn't trade him for the world. John Mooney is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He was all ACC last year. He's going to be all ACC again this year. He's a senior forward for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You, When we first scheduled you having you on, of course, I was watching on TV last night. looked like you guys were going to beat Florida State. That one did get away. But I wonder your emotions, John, or even if there's any time for emotions, uh, you know that this Saturday when the Irish host Virginia Tech, man, uh, it's not officially your last game, of course, but it is technically your last regular season home game, no matter how things go after the ACC tournament. Uh, have you processed those emotions yet? Because we live in the one-and-done era. You were one of the only all-ACC guys who chose to stay in school, and in your case, you're a four-year player who's at some point soon going to have to say goodbye to that university and that program you love so much. That's right. No, it's, it's gone by extremely fast. Um, again, it, it's been a tremendous experience here at Notre Dame, and, and the past four years have been the best of my life. And, you know, it's, it's weird to think that it's coming to an end. Um, you know, like you said, we kind of had a disappointing loss uh, last night to FSU. You got to tip your hat and give them credit. Uh, Trent Forrest, MJ Walker, those guys made big plays, and uh, the utmost respect for them. But like you said, you know, the, the train moves on, and we got to get ready for Saturday. Um, you know, I mean, personally, I'm not trying to treat it anything differently. I'm just trying to treat it as another game because, you know, kind of lots on the line in terms of standings uh, going into Greensboro. We, we want to, A, be playing well, and B, be a good seed to, to make a run. And, you know, that's my mindset. Um, but, yeah, you know, putting the jersey on in, in Purcell Pavilion one more time, it's, it's kind of weird to think about, but uh, I'm going to give it my 100% all, no doubt. By your standards, John, I'm probably old, and I'm okay with that, but I'm old enough to have covered a guy named Tim Duncan. 
I guess you've heard this by now, but you are on pace for the best rebounding average by an ACC player since the guy I covered at Wake Forest in the 1990s. Tim Duncan was up there about 15 boards a game. You're up there. Last I saw, about 13 rebounds a game. I mean, that's second to Tim Duncan in almost like a half century of ACC basketball, <laughs> what makes a great rebounder? And, I mean, you are a tall guy with some athleticism, but what else goes into those kinds of numbers? Right. No, it, it's definitely cool to look at some of those numbers. Um, I, I try not to pay too much attention to them. I just try to do whatever it is I can to, to help my team and help my team win um, and maximize my role. Um, part of my role and part of my job is to rebound the ball, and I try to do that at the highest level. Um, you know, my mentality is that every shot is going to be a miss, um, and it's about you know getting position, uh, boxing out, and doing whatever it is I can to just go and get the ball. Um, you know, a lot of guys are are higher jumpers than me, so I have to do my work early um, while the shots in the air before the shots even taken to get position um, and to just go and get the ball. I know you grew up in Florida, as you mentioned. I've been told that your dad was an outstanding golfer, or maybe still is. I'm he not was, sure. He was. Is it a disadvantage in golf, even if you have the genes of your great, de- great golfing dad, to be six foot nine and two hundred and forty whatever pounds? Is that? It sounds like that would make it harder to have the right mechanics in golf, even though you seem to have wonderful mechanics in basketball. <laughs> no, I mean, I love to play golf. My dad got me in it at a at a young age. Um, and it's just a hobby of mine, but yeah, when, when the, when the hoop season is going on, I don't play too much. So, you know, the first couple of times out there in the off season, it's, it's all over the place. Um, got a, got a long swing pass just cause my arms are long. So a lot of margin for error, but, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's certainly fun. And I try to get that out there as much as I can in the off season and just have some fun with it. I've seen you interviewed right after a game where you put up insane numbers and you immediately talk about either your teammates or your coach or the fans or something else. Who taught you to not talk about yourself? And is it okay if we talk about you now, man? We've got votes to put in for all ACC. You've got senior night. (laughs) Can we finally allow it to be about you just a little bit, even though it's a team first game? No, it definitely is a team first game. and, And I pride myself on that. Um, you know, my parents taught me at a young age to put others before yourself, and, and I try to do that. Um, but it is true. I don't, I don't really get caught up in all that. I don't know how that voting for, for the all-ACC stuff works. Um, again, I just try to, I try to do my job at the highest level. Um, I have a lot of respect for um, you know, all the other guys in the ACC that are up for, up for the awards and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to continue to do my job. Obviously, we have another game coming up here on Saturday, and then got a chance to let it rip in Greensboro next week. So that's, that's priority one. And then, you know, all the other stuff will handle itself. You're tied for the national lead. Last I saw in double doubles, uh, this number may have changed. You had 24. The last I saw, it's probably more than that. Now, do you know when you have a double double or is it like somebody had you a box score and you're like, wow, I have another double double. <laughs> um, I mean, again, I, I tried to certain arenas will have, you know, potent, points and rebounds yeah. uh on the on the stadium or on the on the scoreboard um but i try not to i try not to look at that stuff during the game um again i just try, I try to do my job and, and that's part of that is scoring and rebounding the ball uh and really just doing the little things i'm i'm really more prioritized to do that stuff whatever it is to help my team win whether that's taking a charge uh you know setting a good screen whatever it may be i try to do that before before anything else 
I don't know if this changes year for year, uh, year by year for Coach Bray, but I have seen times that at least after a timeout in the early parts of the, the downtime, you as players are essentially running the huddle. Like, he might not even be there, but even after he sits down in the circle, the players are talking. I mean, you have fellow seniors like Rex Fluger and TJ Gibbs. Um, how does that work? Because that's not something we see at every school. Right. No, he, he puts a lot of trust in his seniors. That's, that's a hallmark of this program is that, um, you know, the senior leaders are, are definitely a, a big piece of the pie. Um, you know, as young guys, as freshmen, sophomore, your job is to maybe pay your dues a little bit and, and learn the ropes from, from the older guys and from the coaching staff. And I've had the opportunity to do that. I've been blessed to do that. Uh, I saw Bonzi Colson and Matt Farrell do it. Um, and yeah, me, TJ and Rex, we certainly, we certainly try to do that. Um, again, coach, has handed us the keys to the car and, and, and we're running with it. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're feeding off of him. He's, he's the ultimate leader and, you know, what he says ultimately goes. So, um, you know, we, we try to, to maximize that uh, and, and just and lead our guys, lead, lead the sophomore class who's, who's really emerging right now. You look at guys like Dane Goodwin, Nate Prentice, those guys are, are playing at a high level. Um, so we're, we're just going to try to keep going with that uh, and continue to try to get better each and every day. John Mooney is joining us, Notre Dame forward, all ACC guy. You can actually follow John on Twitter at jmoon32, at jmoon32. He's coming down the stretch of his senior season with the Fighting Irish. You mentioned the Irish Catholic boy from Florida. I happen to be an Irish Catholic boy from Philadelphia, and you, John, truly have like lived the dream of a lot of extended members of the Glenn family, a couple of which actually ended up at Notre Dame. My question is, uh, has it lived up to what you thought it might be when you had that that first connection with Mike Bray back in the day and maybe give us an example of something beyond basketball where that Irish Catholic boys dream came true up in South Bend. No, it, it's been everything that I've wanted and more. Um, when I came up here on my visit, my senior year of high school, um, you know, pretty much the first hour or two, I, I knew that this was the place for me. Um, like you said, Irish Catholic kid, uh, certainly Notre Dame prides itself on, on those two things. And, um, no, it's been everything that I could dream of, both on and off the court. Um, you know, something that a lot of people may or may not know is that the Notre Dame family and our alumni network is awesome. Yeah. Something off the court, a little story. Um, you know, when I came here on my recruitment visit, uh, met with the academic advisor, and he pulled out this book of all the alumni that Notre Dame has, and it basically has it off by industry, by city, wow. by country, and it's and it's like, hey, if you want to do finance in New York, whatever, he, he has a list of finance guys in New York to, to help you out and make a call, and, and that's something that Notre Dame prides itself on is just helping each other out and having that, that pride uh, alumni network, and, and that's something that I look forward to, to doing after my basketball career. I'm almost afraid to ask you this question, given the way you're wired, because I know you're not thinking about the NBA or pro basketball right now. But since we don't get to talk to you very often, uh, can you at least share, you know, were you a little kid? Did you dream of playing college basketball? Did you dream of playing in the NBA? Uh, have you gotten enough feedback from NBA folks to know uh, your shot of playing at that level? Or, of course, there's jobs all over the world. Uh, again, I know where your focus is, but you can you just think out loud about that bigger picture for us? Yeah, um, no doubt. I mean, it, it's been a dream of mine since I was a little kid to, to A, play college, and then and then B, play at a professional level. Um, I would love to continue to do that. Um, that's, that's certainly my goal, but 
like you said, my priority is to, is to finish the season out strong, um, hopefully make a run in Greensboro, and then and then go from there. But um, you know, certainly I'm excited to to see what the future holds. Um, would love to play professionally, whether that's here or um, elsewhere, overseas, wherever it may be. Um, I, I love the game. I, I do it because I love it. I don't do it for money or anything like that. I just, I just love playing the game ball and um, you know, want to play as long as I can. I have a feeling tunnel vision has served you well in life, John. Is that true? Because you don't seem to be distracted by anything beyond what is in front of you in the next practice, in the next game, or the next interview, or anything else. <laughs> I think so. No, I'm definitely a very focused guy. I've been, I've been blessed with many great mentors and, and leaders uh, around me, coaches, uh, my parents, my family. Uh, everyone around me keeps me keeps me heady, and um, I, I try to do that, no doubt. You have a lot of people around the ACC who root for you as long as you're not playing against their favorite team, which I think is a pretty <laughs> big compliment. So uh, thanks for uh, these last four years. Best wishes the rest of the way, and uh, appreciate your visit today on the David Glenn Show. No, thank you for having me, David. It means a lot. Uh, Thank you again. You got it. John Mooney of Notre Dame on Twitter at jmoon32. Last home game Saturday against Virginia Tech. That'll be carried on the ACC network. We don't have as many four-year celebration stories as we once did. You know, Ralph Sampson, the UVA guy that you can actually meet a week from today in Greensboro, Ralph Sampson was a four-year NBA, a few four-year college basketball player before moving on to the NBA. Tim Duncan was a four-year player at Wake Forest. Now, Ralph was the 80s. Timmy D was the 90s. John Mooney, four-year player here in 2020. I respect that, even putting the Irish Catholic kid stuff off to the side. John Mooney, senior forward for Notre Dame. Third-team All-ACC last year. I believe he will be first-team All-ACC this year. He does have my vote, and that vote is unrelated to the fact that he just stopped by as a guest here on the David Glenn Show. Speaking of Ralph Sampson, I don't think uh, John Mooney's allowed to coordinate with uh, the Citizen Watch people just yet. That no, would probably be not a, just yet. If that NIL stuff would have gone through, the um, name and likeness, true. then he just, would have. He's just, he's a star born too <laughs> soon, right? Uh, Ralph Sampson is working with the folks at Reed's Jewelers in Greensboro and the nice folks with Citizen Watch. They are a proud sponsor of the Citizen Naismith College Player of the Year Awards, and it will be at the Reed's Jewelers in Greensboro one week from today, Thursday, March 12th, where three-time Citizen Naismith Trophy winner Ralph Sampson, the seven-foot-four basketball legend from the University of Virginia, Big Ralph will be on site at the Greensboro Reeds Jewelers. Sixteen Twelve Highwoods Boulevard is the address there in Greensboro. Big Ralph will be there from 5:30 to 7 p.m. signing autographs. And if you end up purchasing a Citizen watch, you also get a limited edition autographed gift. That's Reed's, located at 1612 Highwoods Boulevard in Greensboro. Citizen Watch, proud sponsor of the Citizen Naismith College Player of the Year Awards. Meet Ralph Sampson one week from today at Reed's Jewelers in Greensboro. 1-800-849-2761. Our guests are in the books. We have more to get to in the NFL. The Panthers trade, the collective bargaining agreement, is up for vote officially as of this morning. Ballots were sent to 2,000-plus members of the NFL Players Association. First votes can be cast in that today. 1-800-849-2761. The Canes are at Philly. After four days with no games, the Flyers are the hottest team in the NHL, or at least one of them. The Supreme Court 
may take a case involving DirecTV's NFL Sunday ticket because some football fans have alleged that that is an illegal monopoly that artificially inflates the prices that people like you and I have to pay. In college hoops, the Danny Manning watch continues at Wake Forest. The Wolfpack bubble watch continues for NC State fans. Duke and Carolina are set to resume one of America's greatest sports rivalries. That's Saturday night in Cameron. I will see you there. Tonight, it's the Aggies at the Eagles. One of those two will not only grab the MEAC regular season title tonight when they go head-to-head -head in Durham, Ronald Jackson, senior forward for A&T. Jabri Blunt, senior forward for Central. The two best players I've seen in the MEAC this year. One of them is going to win the MEAC Player of the Year, I think. Uh, may the best man win. May the best team win. That's a 7 o'clock tip in Durham. Aggies beat the Eagles in Greensboro earlier this year. Eagles seek revenge tonight in Durham. 7 o'clock tip, ESPNU has the national TV broadcast. And remember, not only is the MEAC regular season title at stake. At worst, if you win tonight to clinch that regular season title, at worst, you also get a bid to the NIT. Regular season champs get automatic bids nowadays to the NIT. So if you win that game tonight, Aggies or Eagles, you'll go to the MEAC tournament next week in Norfolk, Virginia, while saying if we win this, we go to the big dance. But if we don't, we still have a spot in the NIT. A lot at stake tonight in Durham as Lavelle Moton's Eagles try to add yet another MEAC championship regular season tile style before seeking yet another tournament title next week in Norfolk. 1-800-849-2761. March Madness, NFL, NBA, NHL on our mind, among other things. You can be next with your question or comment by dialing 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Moo You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show. All right, hour number three will include your phone calls. Bobby Kremen's in the books. John Mooney of Notre Dame in the books. Roy Williams of North Carolina will be among our guests tomorrow. The Tar Heels are on a three-game winning streak. They have a little game Saturday night in Durham against those Blue Devils. Round one, which some thought would be an avalanche in favor of Duke, was almost, almost a stunning Carolina victory. 98-96 Blue Devils in an overtime thriller. Throw the records out? Well, for one night, that was the case. We'll see if that's the case again on Saturday. 6 o'clock, I'll see you at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Roy Williams of the Tar Heels among our guests live on our free-for-all Friday edition of the program tomorrow. There's March Madness to discuss. A&T Central tonight, Duke Carolina Saturday, Danny Manning watch at Wake, Wolfpack Bubble watch at NC State. Your questions and comments are fair game as we start Hour 3 on all things college hoops, 1-800-849-2761. The Hurricanes are in Philly tonight and playing a rare national TV game. They're only one in 82 starts this regular season. The U.S. Supreme Court may take a case where it's being asked to decide whether DirecTV's NFL Sunday ticket is an illegal monopoly situation and against the law. It's a whopper. More on that with your calls. The Panthers have made a trade, too. We're back after this. 
I don't want those damn dookies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by a hundred. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show.